This is episode 14 of the CB Northwest and Camp Tadmore Events Podcast. From the 2019 Annual Enrichment Conference, this is session 5 from Wednesday night. Jeremy Schumacher interviews a number of different people, getting updates on a number of churches, individuals, and ministries. God reveals himself. He reveals himself through his creation. He reveals himself through his word. He reveals himself through the voice of the Holy Spirit. And in his crowning revelation, he reveals himself through his son, Jesus Christ. Revelation Church is a community of people that wanna know God. And we recognize that for us to know God, he has to reveal himself to us. Beyond that, God has chosen to reveal himself to the world through us. It's with this common calling that we join the communities of God's people in Coeur d'Alene. Not because God is lacking in this place, but because He can be found here. We're planting Revelation Church because God is at work in Coeur d'Alene and He has invited us to be a part of what He's already doing here. If you're a part of a Jesus-loving, gospel-centered church, we would covet your prayers and greatly value your partnership. If you believe God is calling you to be a part of the work that He is calling us to, we invite you to join us. And if you're not a Christian, Revelation Church is a group of people who would be excited to know you and help you explore who Jesus really is. Sign up for our newsletter or follow us on social media to learn more as we begin to gather this fall. Uh, renting their facility on Sunday nights and she called me one day and goes did you see the ad in the paper and I said no grandma I don't get the paper <laughs> and she said there's a classified ad of this building that is looking for a church to rent their facility on Sunday mornings and she told me the phone number so I called them and it's this uh, wedding chapel in downtown Coeur d'Alene on the corner of 7th and Wallace, which is two blocks from the city center that um, operates out of a old Methodist church building that was built in 1903. It's beautiful. Uh, and uh, I'm the, I talked to the landlady. Her name is Suzanne. You can pray for her. She is not a believer, but she's the sweetest lady in the world. And she runs this thing all by herself. And uh, we worked out an agreement. And so we get to use that space on Sunday mornings together. Well, uh, yeah, I, I love the irony. And my grandmother comes to church now. She goes, 
I love the irony of a wedding chapel that was looking for a church to come into it. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, what is God doing? What does that say about the kind of uh, upside down culture that we live in and God working in the midst of that where, where now there's a church in there. Praise God for yeah. that. And it would be a good permanent home, huh? We would love to purchase it someday. It's for sale. Uh, it's a little run down. We don't have the finances for it, but I just... I have this vision that that's such an amazing story I would like to tell of God working in amazing ways to restore this old building to a place in the community that it used to hold, and uh, I would just be thrilled for that. Yeah, it's like one thing we can agree on, the church is not a building, but there's something to be said for a building that roots a church into a place and allows it to do ministry, and actually, I think it helps it uh, transition from generation to generation. Mm-hmm. And so I too have been, you know, praying about that. And, and one of the things we would seek then as a covenant community is to say, okay, as God would lead, could he provide for that? What would that story yeah. be of, of uh, the right conversations and the right people that uh, God weaves together to get that building for you? So that'd be, that'd be really great to see that. Yeah. And it kind of, you know, started, our relationship started here of sorts through individual relationships that then, grew to inviting uh, Zach and Joanna, his wife, to come out to the enrichment conference. And they came out and, and I said, hey, this is a good way to see us in all of our glory. Just come out and hang out for the week. And they did, and they stuck. And it ended up building a really tight connection with New Creation Fellowship in, in Spokane. Yep. And um, that church, t- talk about that a little bit. How is the relationship as, as, their, as your um, kind of mother church, sending church, planting church? Yeah, that was a really neat thing. Um, we, uh, our, our first experience with CB Northwest was two years ago at this conference. Um, Victor Borchard was a friend of mine and he invited us and like you said, to just kind of get a flavor for what the covenant community was like. Um, and just the part of the DNA and the philosophy of ministry f- from you guys was we plant churches through other churches and and so we weren't in that situation where we had those close relationships and the and the infrastructure there and and Mark Kernut from Spokane at New Creation was like we want to plant churches and so I struck up a relationship with him and um, we started attending there uh, for a short time and he kind of became a mentor because they planted I think they're 14 years in now um, and uh, they've just been super uh, helpful in uh, with just wisdom and, and some financial support and you know policy documents and like hey Mark how do I do this I've never done this and uh, he's really good at responding to email like right away. Um, and we have a little game yeah, he I and I do. <laughs> it's like trying to get back as soon as possible because the guilt meter in me just grows if I as every minute passes by I don't respond to him. Yeah, yeah. and and so it's just been a really great relationship. He He's one of our provisional elders, and um, he's been real helpful. You guys, as a church, have sowed the the DNA of prayer from the beginning. Uh, Victor has developed a great prayer um, thrust for churches to be able to pray for a number of things, but very strategically, very... um, comprehensively, and I'm on that. So it's really cool to have a, a church plant that said, you know what, we're going to look beyond ourselves from the beginning. We're going to pray for that. We're yeah. going to seek um, just the health and welfare of, of those that God's put in our path. And so I just, I really appreciate it. It's been a joy to, yeah. to journey with you. When, when I was just praying through the idea of what our core values were going to be and what was important to to God for our community, just prayer being a priority in everything that we did was just kind of rose to the top. And uh, when I learned about the Everybody Everyday program that Victor put together, um, I just wanted to be a part of it. And uh, we had our first annual meeting this January, and 
I, I just shared some statistics, and one of the statistics that I'm, I'm super proud of is that we've got 26 families that get prayed for every single day through that. Mm. And I think that's super cool. Yeah, that's really great. So when, this is something you and I have talked about, that at the core of our covenant community is relationship, and so you come into the covenant community relationally, and when churches are planted out of CB churches, they carry on that name, and you really are a, a granddaughter church, Trinity Baptist in Spokane, planted New Creation, who planted um, uh, Revelation Church, and, and those, that relational tie, you carry the name, and so tonight, what we're doing is just recognizing that you're part of that, and it's a growing part, right? We haven't arrived, so to speak. I'm going to give you a paddle, but there's a, that, that is the symbol that we use to say, hey, you're in the boat with us, and get the oar in the water. Let's start, get our rhythm together, and, uh, and see what God would do, where he would lead us, and so I want to give you this paddle here. It says, uh, Welcome to, co to the Covenant Community, Revelation Church, Ephesians 3, 20 and 21 on it. A number of churches have received these and hung them up in the space as a reminder of our connection and the fact that you're in the boat with us. Thank you. So we welcome. appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks. I always like giving these paddles out, and as I was walking in with them, uh, somebody says, "Boy, it's really great to see all those paddles here." But sometimes we miss things, right? Right before we started doing these paddles, kind of annually, that give that picture of being in the boat together. Um, there's some people that maybe fell through the cracks a little bit, and there's sometimes that I do things that just end up sticking with people, and they don't let me forget them. So, like when you forget to paddle someone, they don't let you forget that you forgot to paddle them. So I need to make up for that a little bit tonight. So I'm going to have uh, Dax Garlinghouse come on up here. Uh, Dax is a planter from Baker Creek Community Church. You deserve one of these. Hey, we're pretty excited to get paddled. Yeah. Only, only uh, somebody like Dax would be excited to get paddled in front of 400 people. <laughs> what, is that? what does that mean? I don't know, but I didn't. Okay. That wasn't on the card. That was like, just what I feel happens like I'm on a when late you do it like talk this. show or something. This well, is kind of cool. Yeah, we're not going to go that late, but we didn't oh, okay. make a paddle for you. So, okay, in my defense, it was a little bit unique as to how your church got planted. It's true. But a great God story. Would you yeah. share that with us? Yeah, I love telling this story. Um, and I have to kind of go back to about 1999. <clears throat> and Bethel Baptist Church in, in McMinnville was going very successful, big church. Pastor Jim Peterson was there. And Bethel intentionally sent Jim to Lafayette, which is like five miles away. And they planted Lafayette Community Church. In 2007, Lafayette planted Carleton Community Church, and so in 2009, they hired me to kind of come and backfill um, that, their church, and, and Pastor Jim was going to retire, and that's the only thing in the world that I know of that Jim Peterson's not good at, is retiring. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, in that process, um, because of the connection with Bethel Baptist, a lot of people were coming from there to Lafayette, and they were really disillusioned, really beat up. They were really upset that the church was just falling apart. It was dividing itself. It was, there's just a lot of dysfunction, a lot of mess going on. And um, so we were receiving a lot of those people, loving on them, caring for them, just letting them know that it was okay and we understood. And, and through that, we just kind of developed a heart to see the gospel restored. Uh, instead of being a source of dissension and gossip, instead being a, a gospel-declaring place again. 
And so uh, we started just kind of praying about that. In fact, my wife and I would go to the parking lot of the other church and pray for the new guy. Whoever this new guy was, he was going to need some help. And he was going to need a friend. And we were going to be that friend. And we were going to just help that, uh, help that process. And then we were actually here. And we had a conversation with some people. And they're like, you know, you guys clearly have a heart for that. Why don't you go do that? And Pastor Jim had already brought it up to me a, a few months before that. And I had said no. Um, <laughs> and because I did not want to go and, and try to rehash an old thing, you know, if the horse is dead, let it die. And, um, and I just had no reason to leave Lafayette. We were loved there. Things were going great. Um, we just loved those people and they loved us. And there was just no reason, uh, to leave. And then, um, actually at this seaside can, uh, meeting in 2014, it just got brought up like you guys should really do this. And so. Uh, Jim had actually announced his retirement and gone to Mexico for like six weeks. And uh, I just emailed him and said, hey, that thing you brought up a few months ago, it's kind of on our heart. And uh, so through a process, we uh, Lafayette guaranteed salary and said anybody that wants to go can go. And we went to uh, Bethel Baptist and presented, hey, we're going to be two parent churches and we're going to have a baby and we're going to start completely new. We're not going to rehash the old thing. We're going to start completely new. And we just asked people to trust. And we put together a leadership team and both churches voted and it was, um, you know, over 90 percent. And we moved in and in uh, June of 2014, we officially launched in September uh, as Baker Creek Community Church, a new church in an old location, and just began to listen and love people. Did you really call him while he was still in Mexico and tell him that, <laughs> that he had to come I, out of retirement? For that? Well, I emailed him and just said, hey, yo, by the way, <laughs> that idea you had a few months ago, it's, it's coming around again. And, and at that point, God had really pointed our hearts in that direction. And um, you know, it was literally March, I sent that email, and by May we were voting, and by June we were there. Yeah. So we felt like we jumped in the middle of a moving train of what God wanted to do. Yeah. And listening to God could go just like that. Yeah. It was, that's a wonderful testimony to how he provides and, and open those doors for that for effective ministry for, for the next generation. So good job, and let me give you this paddle, especially in Great Baker Creek Community Church. There's your paddle. You are in a covered community. <laughs> Okay, because I did that for them, I knew that there might be somebody else who's sitting there under their breath going, well, what about us? So I made a blank paddle here, and I have a Sharpie marker. <laughs> so I'm giving last call here. Anybody want one? All right, well, because if that one got taken... I, in error, uh, made an extra one the other year, and so I could scratch out that name there and put one on it if anybody needed that. So those are always good to have new churches joining the covenant communities, a sign of health, things that we're working at. And you can see from the stories that listening to God, being available is the, is the main starter that gets that done. And so let's challenge ourselves to do that. Let's remain open. Let's look for those opportunities. Somebody might look back and go, hey, that was an enrichment conference in 2019 when God did this. And so we look forward to that. The way that those churches get planted is with good leadership. And those guys got to be trained. They got to be surfaced. We got to know who they are. We got to work together to do that. Convergence is a premier way that that's happening. I want to share this video with you that clues you into some of the things that are happening in Convergence. What's up, guys? My name is Logan Bertram. Um, I'm part of Grace Bible Church of Redmond here in Central Oregon. 
and uh, I'm part of the Eastern Oregon cohort of Convergence. Uh, about to be wrapping up here this January 2019. Convergence has been a super cool opportunity for me, uh, really to get sent from my church in Lebanon. Lebanon First Baptist, they really uh, sent me and partnered with me in this Convergence experience. Uh, just getting able to be equipped up with these other guys of my cohort. Uh, just taking truths from scripture, uh, just learning super practical, hands-on, feet-on-the-ground experience of ministry and just putting it to use right away. It's just neat to kind of say, hey, you know, Logan needs to finish Convergence, but could he finish it helping with the church plan? Now that I've made the transition over here to Central Oregon and helping out with uh, Grace Bible Church of Redmond, it's cool to just take the things that I've learned from Convergence and put them to use. Well over a hundred uh, guys have gone through the Convergence program, three-year program, and uh, have completed that. How many people in this room were a Convergence apprentice at some point in their thing, okay? How many of you were in a, per uh, keep your hands in the air if you were an apprentice. If you have mentored somebody through Convergence, put your hand in the air, nice and high there. And there, I know, work that primer about there, get it up to the top. Yeah, and if you have supported, if your church has supported a student, so if you're part of a church that has financially supported, mentored a student, had them in your church, and do that. So and now just the influence around the Northwest is, is large, and it's growing. This year we were able to graduate the 2018 cohort. We celebrated with the commencement out in Eastern Oregon. We, we call them the Eastern o Oregon cohort, and then the guy wears a kilt, and I don't know how that fits out there. So all the cowboy jokes are gone at that point. But the majority of the guys here are from Eastern Oregon and churches in Eastern Oregon. And that's why they did their, their training. Their actual intensives gatherings happened on that side of the state primarily. And, um, and uh, that is one of the beautiful things about convergence is it's not a place. It's a process, and so uh, these guys have walked through that process, and there's some other shots here that I want to share with you uh, about the, the people that come around one of the apprentices, and so it, when they gathered, there was over 80 people that gathered to celebrate at that commencement. And they were able to recognize the work that the guys had done, um, the affirmation of their character and their calling to gospel ministry gets really celebrated at these commencements. And that picture of, of a village, uh, of a covenant community coming around to do that. And you have your next generation uh, convergence students there. You know, it, it, you can't help but think about that, that uh, God would be pleased to see men continue to be identified, trained, mentored, empowered equipped for that ministry. So I want to show you then, not only did those guys graduate, but as God has been faithful uh, to churches to see who's next, this is the cohort that just graduated, uh, the churches that they represent, where they came from, but then the 2020 uh, cohort, the list from Langlois Community and Red Sea Church and Calvary Crossroads and Goodroots Community and Brush Prairie and Grace Harbor and Medford First Baptist and Clackamas Valley Baptist. But there's also, because it's a three-year program, it's concur concurrent um, cohorts going, the 2021 cohort from Calvary Baptist of the Dallas and Grace Baptist, Willamette Community, North Coast Fellowship, Grace Church, Grace Baptist, Elkton Baptist, North Coast uh, Fellowship, Med First, First Baptist, and Laurelwood Baptist. And then the 22 cohort, Faith Bible and Stanfield Baptist, Sio, Calvary Baptist, Laurelwood Baptist, Way of Life Fellowship, and Revelation Church, right? Praise God for these men and these churches that are doing this work. Just think. Think what that, what that will mean for us in the coming years.
Think about what God's doing in our midst. Praise him for it. That's really wonderful. Now, CB Northwest, we often say all we have is people. And that is absolutely true for the church. It's just the church's people. At the CB Northwest office, we say the same thing. All we have is people. And uh, we have a great team of people that uh, seek to serve your church. We believe that CB Northwest is a covenant community of churches. It's not an office. It's not a denomination. It's churches that voluntarily pledge to work together at the ways that we covenanted today. Now, this is a picture from our, uh, our Christmas banquet that we had, got together, and uh, what, had a beautiful uh, location and a meal, and just got to celebrate. And you can see um, the, the, the whole team there, and we're really... Um, happy for the team that we have that God's brought together. And, and again, it's just our, our desire to serve. And people do that with uh, uh, great zeal and commitment. Two of the, those that have served um, for a number of years, but are coming to an end of their service is, is Linda Gifford and Jennifer Burtz. I want to invite Linda and Jennifer to come up here and join me. Uh, they paid me to ask them to come up here and do this. So if you give them a little encouragement... Now, you might recognize their emails more than their faces, or you might recognize their faces when they have the little boom mic from their telephone when you're talking to them more, but yeah, go ahead and have a seat. But Linda and Jennifer have been wonderful servants of lo the Lord, and then the impact in churches is, is tremendous. So uh, Linda served for 14 years at CB Northwest as the executive assistant, and, and uh connected with many, many of your churches over those years. Jennifer has served as our registrar and uh, has been serving that capacity for 22 years. And so uh, this is part of our transition celebration is just to recognize what God has done in and through you. So Jennifer, how many registrations have you processed through? Just jerstimate for me here. What's... <laughs> A little over 80,000. 80, little over 80,000. 80, 82,500. Not that I want to get particular <laughs> or anything, but 82,500 registrations that you've come through. And that represents, man, how, how many events? 300? Uh, over 300. Over 300 events in that time. I mean, just uh, dedicated to that work. It's been wonderful. We got to, at the... Um, Christmas party, we got to share gifts and stories and things that, that were intended to honor you and to just recognize that. But it really has been a privilege to serve with you, Jennifer. I, I did my first seven years with CB Northwest was out of the Tadmore office. And so we got uh, to work together really closely there because those walls in that little modular are pretty thin. And so we, we could talk to each other all the time. Intercom system was very high, high advanced at that time. Yeah. Uh, Linda, you have had the privilege of, of uh, running specifically with Mark and supporting uh, that, uh, his office and all that that does for the team. So you've kind of got these layers. This is a perspective that I have. Linda has helped our team function in a healthy way. I mean, that was the uh, heart of Mark to have a, a healthy team, and he knew that to do that, he was going to take some helpers. And uh, Linda did that. But then uh, how many how many phone calls do you think you would get in, in a given month here? Oh, it's hard to say. More emails lately than phone calls. The first one was phone calls. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're avoiding the microphone there. You didn't want to pick that up. 
Not so, not as many phone calls, thousands of emails. Thousands of emails. No you one can even know how many emails Mark and could the, get. <laughs> yeah. And the systems to, to sort through that and right. to get them all handled and to, to juggle that and stuff. It was kind of a circus act. It was it was really fun. Entertaining. It, it, really a blessing. Yeah. I would bring the popcorn just to watch that happen because that's my role in the office, to bring the popcorn to the donuts and, you, you and bring a good time. You are the fun person. The fun person. That's right. You heard that. Yeah. Good. Well, hey, you guys, uh, what's next for you? What's next, Linda? What are you doing next? Um, I'm enjoying being home with Steve. We, we're enjoying every day. Um, our grandsons live with us. We're enjoying seeing them finish high school, going to college. We're doing a little, I can now leave anytime I want without asking Mark. <laughs> We've already gone a couple of weeks. I feel kind of guilty. <laughs> I get up in the morning and think, oh, I don't have to know anything today. <laughs> no. Um, it was great working there with, with everyone. Yeah. Jennifer, what's next for you? Well, we are in the process of moving off the mountain. Um, we're going to be moving uh, halfway between the Portland office and Chad Morse because Dave is going to be working in both places. Um, so, and it's closer to our kids and grandkids, which I'm really excited about. Um, so in the near future, I'm actually going to be swapping with the gal who's taking my place, who you'll meet soon enough here. Um, and I'm going to be the Circle T registrar this summer, um, just for a few hours a week. And then in the fall, um, we'll be, I'll be settled in Turner, um, Oregon. And then um, from there, only God knows That's right. at this point. Yeah, it was so exciting. One of the things we got to celebrate at that, um, at that party there was uh, be able to give a gift towards some missions that you guys have participated in because you guys have uh, been great church people in your, in your churches. So not beyond your ministry at, at uh, Tadmore and at Seagull Northwest office, you've lived that life in your churches and... Um, and so tell us a little bit about those missions that you guys are connected to and, um, and what that is going to hopefully help do. Well, I've had the opportunity to go to China, um, two, two locations, but our church sponsors some students in um, a minority group. And so we've been able to get together with them every couple of years. So we're planning another trip this summer and, and the gift that I was given will go towards that. Um, so I'm the mission chair at our church, and um, we've been able to, s to send 15 teams to China over the years. So it's been really, really great. Um, I was able to go to Haiti um, about two years ago, I guess it is, um, with FGIM Ministries. Um, my good friend's church um, is, is sponsoring them, and so they invited me to go with them. And... So I'm hoping to be able to go back there at some point as well. Well, we're so grateful for what God has done through you and uh, your ministry and your service and your confidence that he's leading you on and that he's got uh, the next thing for you. And so thank you very much. Welcome. Or, uh, go ahead and thank them. The clap. Thank you, guys. <laughs> the pain is over. So we have uh, then 
on the same time where we said goodbye, we get to say hello to some new ones. And so I want to have uh, John and Jamie and Cora come on up and join me up here because uh, they are serving in some uh, key roles now as we seek to move forward. And so uh, John is serving as the director of church development, and he has been the replacement for Dave Setti, and, um, and yet not because every time you have an opportunity for transition, it's a good time to kind of put your foot down in a little bit different direction, be sensitive to what God's doing. And John's not Dave. And so I wanted him to come up here and tell us a little bit about that and, um, and how th uh, these three are serving. Jamie Duncan serves as the executive assistant. We'll be sitting in the office and uh, serving some of the same ways that uh, Linda has been. And so we're grateful to have you on the team. And Cora Vincent is going to be our registrar. And this is kind your coronation here in front of everybody because you've been on board for a month now and kind of overlapping with Jennifer as, as she's making her way out and you had served as the associate registrar right so this is kind of fun because now your boss as of last year you're kind of her boss because Jennifer's gonna do some of those things how do you feel about that <laughs> I didn't really look at it that way. You didn't, yeah. huh? No, no. So oh, I got to boss me. her around. Yeah. Yeah, no, boss her around. That's a right. Bit. Yeah, I'll make life really difficult, but that's okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jamie, tell us what how how things are going with you serving in the in the office and what areas that you are are serving in. Well, I am super excited because there are peanut butter M&Ms that I can get from Convergence. But no, really, I learned a lot from Linda. She has been just a lifeline for me to glean a lot of wisdom from all the years that she served Mark. And so um, I get to um, just help make sure Mark looks good <laughs> in what he's doing in CB. And so it's been an incredible honor. And now to be a part of the transition in that, it's exciting to have seen where CB is and where God is leading CB to go. So. Yeah, and that's one of the things that's been key to this is trying to set up uh, uh, off-ramps and on-ramps that overlap in such a way that would be able to transition the ministry to what it needs to be. And and so learning and uh, having that kind of leadership ladder, ladder coming out. Because I remember we were cruising around at Tadmore one time as you were uh, serving on the summer staff. And just, it was, I, I just at that point kind of pictured like, I, I wonder if God would, have Cora ever serve in, in this kind of a way? And then, I mean, how many years ago was that? Um, that was 2016. I've been around since 2012. So, yeah, yeah I appreciate your foresight in that because I couldn't have seen this coming, honestly. <laughs> but it's a big honor to step into. Yeah, it's like one of those th times where you're going around the church, you see a, a fifth grader or something, and you go, okay, there's an elder. I mean, you have to kind of... <laughs> I, I meant that as a compliment, but... I, <laughs> John, uh, you actually started serving churches just because you, you felt like God had given you capacity, desire to do that. We saw that it was a great ministry and help. And so you started doing that well before you were on staff. Convergence grad was part of, or Convergence training was part of your development and stuff. And, but maybe clue us in now, what are the areas of responsibility that you currently are uh, working in? Yeah, good question. So I do a lot of what Dave used to do, but not everything, like Jer said. So I work with uh, church health assessments. So I'm the guy on the end of the phone, if you ever want to start that process, pastor placements. Uh, and I, uh, my real passion is uh, reconciliation ministry. Yeah, so th those areas, we've been trying to uh, leverage that, highlight that, make that available to churches already. He was a trainer at our men's equipment retreat this year and doing seminars 
uh, at the enrichment conference. And so really believe that this is a, a key ministry for us to grow in. Uh, it's kind of like one of those things where you get out in front of the issue and then that way when inevitably growth pains and things come up, you can address it proactively. And so I uh, uh, appreciate that. I appreciate uh, how you make me feel when you come into my office and give me a big hug because mm -hmm. there's not many guys that can wrap their arms around me like that. <laughs> I feel the love, John. Too I really much do. information. <laughs> <laughs> when he ducks into my office and wraps his arms around. Thank you guys. We're really glad to have you on the team and thanks for coming up here and going through this i i forgot that these two beautiful flowers back here uh were intended to go to uh jennifer and to linda uh but they were decorating the stage so nicely that uh, if you guys would deliver look at consummate helpers here they have that well this transition has been one that uh has has cost something, and that was part of the reason for inviting Covenant Community to understand what was happening and how it was happening, and then the need that it was created. And so uh, bringing your offerings, your gifts to uh, this conference as a demonstration of... Um, of support and seeing the work go forward, those connective uh, tissues that uh, the Seba Northwest office is for fostering relationships within the Northwest. And so we've been collecting this offering here in the back during the time, and I've got a total here that I just want to praise God for. $42,440 have been given to that offering. So that, that goes a long ways for um, seeing God's provision here. We thank him for it and thank you for, for that. Uh, the enrichment conference here has been really fun this week, not only just because the weather was nice. It only costs a few extra thousand dollars to ensure that, but it is, makes those afternoons really enjoyable. But we have 338 adults here registered and 116 kids um, up there. And you wonder why they have to remodel these places every once in a while they have it. I get to put together the monthly newsletter that goes out, the Covenant Community Connection newsletter, and I, I look at the analytics that come back from that, seeing which stories that you guys watch and you see. And the one that always comes back as the most viewed link is the one when we share about new pastors, because you want to know where people are at, where they're, where they're going, and, and your friends and stuff. And so here's a kind of a, a scrolling list of some of the new pastors that have come. And now, don't get too uh, tight on these ones because some of the dates and things uh, of 2018 are loose because sometimes we don't always get informed as to who's where at what time. So, uh, But these are ones that we know of that are new in their roles at different churches. And uh, would it just encourage you when there is a change or change in your area to let us know that. We love to celebrate that. We believe in God's sovereignty when he moves people from one place uh, to another and provides uh, leadership for, uh, for his church. So looking at the new, new pastors across the Northwest here. One of the reasons why it's uh, going to be increasingly or is important for us to have a national entity like CB America is because it gives us opportunity to uh, 
bring the gospel into areas of our culture that we couldn't otherwise. And that specifically is exampled in chaplaincy. Because we have that, we have chaplains in every branch of the military. And I want you to watch this video here, kind of orient you to the ministry of chaplaincy, and then have Andy Meverden, who's our director of, of CBA chaplaincy, come up and join me. I'm Andy Meverden, Director of Chaplaincy for CB America. Since 1952, CB America Chaplaincy has recruited, endorsed, and placed chaplains on the cutting edge of ministry. Of our 200 chaplains, over half serve in the military branches, Army, Air Force, Navy, Marines, and Coast Guard, including their Reserve and National Guard components. They also serve in the Civil Air Patrol and Coast Guard Auxiliaries. Full-time and volunteer chaplains minister in other federal agencies, the Veterans Health Administration, the Department of Justice, and Bureau of Prisons. CB America chaplains also work in state and county correctional facilities for men and women. Healthcare chaplains minister in hospitals, medical centers, nursing homes, and hospice care. Many of our pastors serve in ministries to first responders, including local law enforcement personnel and providing post-trauma care to firefighters and EMS workers in their communities. We have specialized chaplains ministering to motorsports and veterans groups, wounded warriors, state veterans long-term care facilities, retirement homes, and in rescue missions. Reaching those others can't or won't due to their unique situations. Join us in praying for these chaplains. You and your church can also support those chaplains deployed overseas with care packages. You may even consider adopting them into your church missions outreach program, especially those serving in your local area. CB America chaplains, in every time zone, on every continent, on land, at sea, in the air, and in dark and dangerous places, all on the cutting edge of ministry. Andy, thanks for being here. I hear that this is kind of a victory lap for you, that you were down in Southern California for their annual conference, and they gave you some hardware. Well, as a matter of fact, I won my first Oscar. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> Uh, yeah, was that I, for the film there, or what'd you do? Well, yeah, it was actually, actually, it, it was the the entire year. Oh, that was the trailer of the production that that took a whole year and 200 people, chaplains, 100 military, 100 civilian, that have uh, ser served literally around the world, leading thousands to Christ, and with over 300 recorded baptisms yeah. this last year. In Hollywood down there, they would understand the work that that takes to do oh, it. So they, they gave you the they gave you the award. So Pacific Church Network, they had these yeah, awards yeah. and they they gave it to you. There were a couple others given, but uh, I just I just had to bring it because uh, the only other one I got was for winning the Intertube contest when I was in 12, 12 years old. Yeah. So. <laughs> So this one stays on your bedside no matter what, where you're at. It just comes with you. I see. It's special to you. It's its first trip out of, out of the house. Uh oh 
That's kind of like a paddle, I think. So, good. Andy, what's going on with chaplaincy? What do we? What should we know about that? And a number of chaplains come from churches in the Northwest here and have ties. Yeah, we, there there are about forty three chaplains that currently operate in the in the Northwest in in the CB Northwest, and we were able to have about 12, 14 of them come to this conference. I take a distributive approach to uh, chaplain training and nurture by uh, inviting chaplains to the regional meetings all across the nation. And I have to tell you that this is best attended. Oh, do we get an award? uh, Yes, you do. As a matter of fact, you get this chaplain mug. Perfect. I think there's still some grounds in there, Andy. Uh, it's, it's clean. This has become a gathering spot for chaplains around the Northwest. It is, yeah. yeah. It, it, and you guys have been meeting here while, while we've been meeting. And so tell us about, tell us about those uh, chaplains that are here and how we can be praying for them and supporting this, this ministry. Because it's not outside of the churches. It is churches, and this is just a, you're a, a connector for that, correct? That's exactly right. An interesting thing has occurred in our society in a sense that I was in Washington, D.C. in January for the annual chaplains conference, and we had a speaker kind of explain that the church has lost some of its authority in the nation, but chaplaincy has ascended. Mm. And um, I'm a, a part of a chaplain um, watchdog group, Chaplain Alliance, and we receive weekly calls from the Senate and House uh, Armed Forces, Armed Services Committees on matters of religious issue and liberty in the armed forces and, and all. And what we're seeing is uh, an actual expansion of the federal chaplaincies. We now have chaplains in the CIA. We have chaplains in the Secret Service. We have chaplains in, other, in the Department of Homeland Security uh, because recognizing the value, the importance of spiritual input in these high-intensity and high-risk uh, branches of our government. How, how many of you guys out there are, are serving in a chaplain capacity in your community? We have numbers. One for, yeah, raise them up there, okay. A lot of different capacities in there. So tell us a little bit, how, how should we understand CBA chaplaincy and then when, it's, when I kind of am connected to my local police department and I'm doing that, how, how do I understand that? Well, we have some chaplains that are operate at the federal level, some at the state level and then some at the local, the county and local level. We have numbers of chaplains, primarily pastors, and some elders who serve on police forces as Mm -hmm. police chaplains. We have some here today, some with the state patrol, some with fish and wildlife. We have some with uh, EMS, emergency services, and and the fire departments, and they're all across the states, Mm -hmm. uh, in the region, and and literally around the nation. Uh, We have chaplains uh, operating uh, with veteran service organizations, motorcycle clubs, wounded warriors. We have a chaplain right now hiking the Pacific Crest Trail, 27, 100 miles, stepped off from the California-Mexico border, and someday is going to touch Canada, yeah. walking with wounded warriors who are 
walking off the war, something that began back in World War II and continues to this day wow. with returning veterans. Great example of, of kind of the, the areas or spaces that chaplains can get into, because my uniform here won't get me very far into the places you can get with your uniform. And last year, when you left the conference here, you, you were on a red-eye flight out of here to do something pretty cool. What was that all about? Well, actually, I had to leave about 2 o'clock in the morning. It'd be like 2 o'clock tomorrow morning to catch a flight out of Portland to get a connector in, in uh, Detroit to arrive at New London Submarine Base uh, to have the honor of conducting, of giving the prayers of commissioning to the Navy's newest nuclear-powered fast attack submarine, the first submarine launched without a propeller. It's, it's the world's biggest underwater jet ski. Thanks for dumbing that down for me, because I heard nuclear... I know. I, I, Jet ski. I, you, I actually was back on your motorcycle chaplaincy bit right there. I, I was seeing a future for me. There's still a place for you. Yeah, okay. You can even ride trikes. Yeah. <laughs> Andy, because you guys um, are all over the world, getting together is really special. And I think you guys have modeled the importance of being together and and taking the effort to catch a hop, um, make the plan, spend the money to get together. And your, your fellowship is sweet. You guys have been um, instructive to us in seeing how uh, as, uh, churches need to work hard to get together and to be uh, for one another and to have that time. So thank you for doing that. And I just want to ask all the chaplains. Invite our chaplains. If you join us up front. Yeah, come we'd, on we'd up. Like to recognize Actually, you and I, pray well, for let's you. have them just stand where they're at and then get into the tables there and then the people around their tables. How about that? That'll work. That'll yeah, work. people around your tables, would you just stand up and put a hand on these men here? Give them a hand um, and welcome them and then we're going to pray for them. I will lead us and, and you pray around them as well. Heavenly Father, we thank you for for the warmth of this fellowship. We thank you that we have a place here, that we can come from Spain, we can come from Germany, we can come from many states in the Union, and we can gather with CB Northwest, and we can have fellowship, we can have worship, we can receive instruction, encouragement, and love in Jesus' name. We ask you to bless each one of these here standing today who has committed themselves to serving you in sometimes dangerous and in isolation, supporting those who defend us at home and abroad, who respond to fire and flood and mudslide and blizzard, and who leave their families many times for months at a time to defend the freedoms that we cherish and love. We ask you to bless this association and its sister associations for their welcoming arms every time we show up. And we ask your blessing as they return to their places of ministry and work. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Andy. You know, in a movement of churches that's over 70 years old now, there's a number of relationships and connections that have been formed that have gone through different uh, seasons of relationship. 
And as I was thinking about tonight, and wanted to invite Scott Reevely to come and uh, share a little bit about Western Seminary. If you didn't get a chance to visit the booth that was in the back there and talk with them, uh, Western Seminary has been uh, connected with CB churches for many, many, many years. And Scott serves as the chairman of the board of Western Seminary. And Dave Whitaker is the vice chairman of the board of Western Seminary. And so with both of these guys here, I thought, hey, what's going on at Western? Give us an update. How is Western serving churches? Well, thank you for asking. And uh, my first answer is going to be, I don't know. <laughs> and so I would kind of like to find out. I didn't if, see that coming, Scott. I'll be honest. Okay. I, that was, if, uh, if you went to school at Western Seminary, would you please stand up? Mm-hmm. If... If you have a pastor that went to Western Seminary, would you please join them? Okay. If you... Yeah, I'd say we're connected. Okay, there we go. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate, appreciate you, and I'm really thankful to be part of Western Seminary. Seminary's 91 years old and uh, is having, I think, one of the, the best seasons that they've had in a long, long time. Um, they're, everyone asks... They're, there are several questions everyone asks. One, some of you may have gotten wind that there was, uh, that the board, I'll speak for the board, was looking at uh, maybe relocating. That is not going to happen. We are going to stay on uh, 55th and Hawthorne and are happily doing so. So we thought it was responsible to look around, and we did, and we're going to stay home. So that's one thing. Another question that I get asked is about enrollment. Enrollment's good. Uh, the finances are probably better than they've been, uh, at least since I've known Western as a student and beyond. And so uh, that's, that's all good. There's two new vice presidents that are doing a great job, and that's sort of new for uh, Western. A lot of people have been there a long, long time, and uh, these two new vice presidents bring a lot of energy. And then uh, I think one other thing that I've gotten questions about, too, has been Western received actually a million-dollar grant. Uh, for pastoral I'd flourishing. I'd say that would help the financial picture to do pretty well. Yeah, it's yeah. actually not going to be spent, though, oh. in school for students. It's going to be spent uh, for pastoral flourishing. That's the nature of the grant. It's a pastoral oh. flourishing grant, and the idea of it is to take is to focus most, more on the flourishing and the, the well-being of the pastor rather than his success. Sadly, we've all seen, uh, I don't know how many, a ton of successful pastors who were not flourishing and have fallen from grace even in these past couple weeks. And so Western's going to be working uh, to uh, close the gap between success and flourishing. And they've they've hired somebody that you know. It's a good friend of CB Northwest. He's taught at Convergence and been on staff with the Mago Day. Bill Clem is going to lead that program, and he invited any of you who would like to get in touch with him to get in touch, so he gave me a bunch of business cards, and I put them on the coffee-stained table that Western Seminary was at earlier in the weekend, if you didn't get to meet Ashley. Uh, Bill Clem's business cards are there and would invite you to pick those up and give Bill a call if you have input or would like to be part of that uh, program. So, yeah, Thanks, Scott. That, I think that is going to be key for us going forward to 
to understand the strategic partnerships that we have and we have access to and how we use them, what those roles and responsibilities are between those. And, and Western is certainly going to be a part of that. And, and so thank you. Thanks for your ministry there and, and uh, as a trustee and all the else that you do here. So thanks, I'm happy Scott. to do it. Thanks. Yeah. Now I'd like to invite up um, Doug Custer and Jim Bull. They're going to come up and, and share with us in a similar way the things that are happening with World Venture and Missions Door. I got a little video here from World Venture that orients you to the work that they're about. Close your eyes. Imagine for a moment that you are part of an unreached people group, meaning you have almost no chance of ever hearing the good news of Jesus. This is because of a lack of the necessary resources and committed Christ followers able to share the good news with you from within your own community. And actually, it isn't only you that may never hear the gospel, but neither will almost anyone else who looks, speaks, and lives like you. Unless someone comes to tell you about Jesus. That is what it means to be unreached. That is what World Venture is trying to change. And that is why we need you to stop imagining that someone else will take care of this and finally open your eyes. Another great video that helps us understand about what's going on. Part of, of the origins of our churches was um, stems from how we connected together to to get global missions done and to further that work. And so I want to hear from each of you just how World Venture is serving churches, how Missions Door is serving churches, and what God's doing to make that more effective going forward. Well, thank you, Jeremy. And Really, it's, it's uh, like, how are you trying to serve your mom and dad? Because it was churches, it was church leaders who in 1943, in the middle of the war, said, we have got to have missionaries and a mission agency that we can trust, that believe the Bible unapologetically, and will take that gospel message around the world faithfully. And so it was church leaders that birthed World Venture in 1943 on LaSalle Street in downtown Chicago. And in my attempts to research that day in that event, there were Northwest churches represented in downtown Chicago on that day to help make it happen. So these pastors and these churches said, we need an agency that's gonna help us do this end of the earth uh, part of the Great Commission. And um, it's, it's really why World Venture exists, to help churches with the very thing that God's asked you to do, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We want to help churches do what God wants them to do. That's, that's why we exist. Yeah, so church is in the driver's seat. We yeah. know what we're about, and uh, World Venture is trying to do what they can to help that happen. Good. Yeah. yeah, and I'm in an interesting position, Jeremy, because I'm uh, the newest vice president on the team there at World Venture. But uh, this evening, 
kind of standing in for President Rick Miller of mm -hmm. uh, Missions Door, who has served long and faithfully and well. And uh, it was 1947, wasn't it, Doug, when uh, Missions Door came into existence, originally the Conservative Baptist Home Mission Society, then Mission to the Americas, because geographically it was North America, Central America, and now Missions Door. We've gone through all the name changes, uh, confusing to some. I used to be called Larry, then Phil, and now I'm Jim. <laughs> um, but it's, that's kind of our history, the way we swap those names around. Great organization. I just want to... Um, uh, mention as well, they are on campuses, a whole variety of ministries in both North America, Central America, some very dangerous places. But here's, here's what I think is interesting if you're familiar with uh, the history of CB and these organizations. Uh, right now, uh, how, do, how do I, I hadn't thought about how I was going to say this. Missions Door and uh, <laughs> World Venture are, uh, are talking and praying uh, in these days, and there is more and more of an overlap. Because over the years, Missions Door began to work in foreign countries, and they're in a number of foreign countries today. And World Venture began ministries right here in North America that are incredible and varied as well. And uh, the lines are blurred. So we're talking, we're praying, and uh, we're coming together. And in fact, Rick has asked me not only to work with World Venture, but also with Missions Door, and where this leads is going to be exciting in the next number of months and years. So you can pray. It's a pretty cool thing when Conservative Baptists actually come back together, and that's a pretty positive thing. Yeah, We're excited is. about that. And one thing that remains the same is the church's mandate to to move forward in that mission. And so the way I would challenge us is to uh, to see uh, Missions Door and World Venture is your church is, is, is bringing the inertia of global missions. And you're trying to figure out how to do that, and you're not going to do it alone. And you're not going to try and do it isolated. You're going to need to partner together. There's some uh, great expertise and some helps and a desire to see that flourish. And so try and, uh, you know, from your position in the church to, to further that, know that there's some ground that's been paved for you to be able to run on and uh, see that happen. Because there's, a, uh, there's a, a world with great need. And we want to reach it. So thank you guys for your ministry that you're doing there and for being here with us. That just means a lot to just show up and be connected. That really, um, that, that, that gives the heartbeat of what you're sharing. Honored to be here. Yeah. Thank you very much for thank having you. us, Jerry. Thank you. That's great. Yeah. They're taking the paddles here. There we go. You want me to sign up on one of those? Hey, so a couple of things is, as, um, as we wind down here, looking ahead to a couple of key events that are happening, I want to make sure you know about one is Women's Camp. These are large regional events that are really great for um, gathering churches together. There's a number of women from uh, our CB Northwest churches that work to put together a ministry that would help foster the surfacing and training of next generation leaders. Um, this year's theme is Soma, One Body, One Spirit, exploring the community of, of God in that way. And the camp will be July 19th through the 21st. And so if it's something you haven't participated in a while or you're trying to figure out how that fits or works, please contact us and let's try and brainstorm that. If you're going, hey, the geography, there's a barrier. Maybe there's a way we can work together and, um, and uh, uh, see this kind of ministry happen uh, across our entire region and be real demonstrated 
demonstration of what God's doing amongst us. Similarly, Men's Roundup is uh, September 6th through the 8th. The theme this year is uh, Kingdom Community. And we sent out and distributed to you via your trustee uh, to every pastor in every church, Rick McKinley's book, Faith for This Moment. And uh, hopefully you received that and got a chance to read it, process it, see the direction, the content of the training that's going to be offered, the uh, teaching that's going to be done at Men's Roundup, and then be able to um, come around that and really leverage that opportunity there at Camp Tadmore, uh, September 6th to the 8th for Men's Roundup, something that's been going on for decades and continues to be an uh, uh, incredible um, uh, opportunity for churches to grow together, and the work that's being done there is, is uh, a no small thing. And then finally, I just point out that next year's annual enrichment conference will be here in Seaside again, March 9th through the 11th. And so if you want to pull out your phone and just pop that into your calendar now, you can see that that uh, we are planning and looking forward to our celebration next year. Try and give all of these updates and insights to the things that are happening with great expectation that there's more that's going to come in the year and the years to come that he's going to do it. But with that being said, there's, there's a, the place that we have found to, to always kind of finish our time because it's that perfect place of remembrance and moving forward. And that's at the communion table. And so I would like Mark to come and lead us to the table. And in so doing, we'll wrap up our time at this year's enrichment conference. First of all, I just want to say how incredibly thankful I am for Jer. Um, Jer has been the one who, for a number of years now, has developed um, our covenant community's connection. And uh, he has been responsible for so many of the creative ideas that have uh, given us a sense of oneness. And uh, Jer was talking about looking at a fifth grader as a potential elder. Uh, Jer was a junior in high school when we came together. And uh, we've journeyed together. Now you're, what, 62? Um, we've, we've been together a long time. And uh, I, am, um, I, I just am so thankful uh, for the, the work that you do in serving churches here in the Northwest. And I just want you to know how much I love you. Yeah. We are a, an amazing family. Um, this, this week, uh, I think it's obvious that uh, there is just an amazing work of God uh, in and through our churches, in and through you and, and the ministries that you have. When you think about how many people have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ this year just because of you and your churches and your ministries, when you think of... Uh, the Bible being taught over and over and over again by you. Uh, if you think about those who have gone around the world to take the gospel of Jesus Christ because of your churches, you are an amazing group of people. And it is just a joy to work with you and to, to serve with you. 
I look forward to what God has for us as we move forward into the years to come, as we begin to see new avenues of gospel outreach, as we become a people committed to serving our world in such a way that uh, we can earn that beautiful opportunity to tell them about Jesus. And so we want to finish our time together as the church. Uh, Dean had us look across the room at one another uh, to remind us that we truly are one body in Christ, that we serve together and that when we look at one another's face, we are beholding that which is created in the image of God. And that this, the church of Jesus Christ, is literally headed by Jesus Christ himself, that we are a part of his body and that we are uniquely joined and fitted together. That the evil one's goal is to put barriers so that we cannot see the uniqueness of our connectivity. And it is our greatest privilege when God, through the ministry of reconciliation, tears down those dividing walls so that we can see one another the way God intended us to see one another. And in doing so, we can find avenues of service for the gospel of Jesus Christ that we would not have ever known had God not brought about the ministry of reconciliation. The ministry of reconciliation begins at the place of atonement. That Jesus Christ, in his uh, commitment to um, the, the, the mission of the Trinity, uh, brought his life as a ransom for you and I. That through his death, his burial, and his resurrection, that you and I might find forgiveness of sin. That we might be placed in the family of God. That we would gain our security and our significance and our acceptance simply because we find ourselves in Christ. Tonight, we finish our conference by, as one church, under the headship of Jesus Christ, coming to the place that we all recognize is not only our starting point, but it is every breath of every day, all the way into eternity, and that is coming to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We celebrate the gospel of Jesus Christ tonight through the body and the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord Jesus Christ, in the night in which he was betrayed, not only did he gird himself with a towel and go and wash his disciples' feet, not only did he say that I have given you an example, but then he said that this bread that you eat is my body, which is given for you. Every time you eat this bread, do so in remembrance of me. Likewise, he took the cup, and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. A new covenant that was built upon that which was going to take place on a cross, in a place, a place of death, a place of mourning, a place of criminals. And there our Lord Jesus Christ gave his life for you and I. But our Lord Jesus Christ's covenant is not based upon just his death. But it is based upon the fact that he has victory over sin, death, evil, and the evil one. By being risen again from the dead. 
It pleased his father to put him to death. Jesus Christ said, for the joy set before me, I endured the cross in all of its shame. He bore your shame, he bore my shame. He took your guilt, he took my guilt. And now today he sits at the right hand of the Father, the head of the church of Jesus Christ, leading and instructing us by the power of his word and the power of his spirit. And so tonight, the church on mission come to Christ to receive that which reminds us again of why we live on this earth. And that is for the purpose of taking the gospel of Jesus Christ to every tribe, to every tongue, to every nation, to our Jerusalem, to our Judea, to our Samaria, to the othermost parts of the earth, that Jesus Christ reigns king and we serve him and we serve him with joy because he is a risen savior and he is worthy of all glory, honor, and power. And so tonight, as you come, you come as the church. The tables are here, and we would just ask you to come recognizing those that are around you, seeing one another uniquely fitted together for the purpose of the gospel of Jesus Christ, serving him faithfully till he comes again. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I know of no greater privilege than to facilitate the opportunity to receive the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That which symbolizes not only a life that was given as a ransom for many, but also a new covenant that takes us in a perfect relationship with a perfect God into a perfect community for all of eternity. And so tonight, Lord Jesus, we take a good look at our own lives. We take a good look at our church and we ask you, Holy God, would you forgive us of those things that are not in line with your heart and with your message and with your service and with your will. We confess our sins and we recognize that you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from our unrighteousness. We realize that there's none righteous, no, not one. And yet you have imputed to us your righteousness as we have imputed to you our guilt. And so tonight, as brothers and sisters in Christ, the church of the living God, united in the spirit, united in the word, united in the finished work of Jesus Christ, and united with our heavenly father, we come to the table as your people, declaring our allegiance to the eternal God, our savior, Jesus Christ. So as we come, God, it would be our greatest desire that in the throne room of heaven, you would be pleased, that you would take our worship of communion and that it would be a fragrant aroma to you, your church, committed to seeing one another the way you intended us to, so that together we could be on mission for God. 
So we commit this next moment into your holy and sacred trust. As your people, we come. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Lord Jesus, tonight we just pause and we reflect on the sacrifice that was demanded. We reflect on the, the beauty of the moment that you brought us into salvation. We reflect on the high privilege that you've given us to be elders and deacons and deaconesses, husbands and wives, leaders in the church of the living God. We know of no other privilege this side of heaven than to serve your church. So God, as we have participated in the body that was given, as we've participated in the, the blood that was spilt, as we have affirmed the gospel through our eating and our drinking together as your church, we now commit ourselves as a covenant community to the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ and to the serving the gospel of Jesus Christ to a world in desperate need. Lord, we do pray that there would be a new beginning for us again, that we would come together more than we ever have for the purpose of your kingdom. So as we leave this place, your people, we do so as one body, one Lord, one baptism, committed as one people to that which you lead us to in the days, the weeks to come until we unite together either in glory or here in this place. May you be glorified through your church. We pray these things in the precious name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And all of God's children said, Amen.